0: This episode of Baby Talk brought to you by our good friends at Gainesway. From top international bloodlines to rising stars on American soil, Gainesway has put together a stallion roster that is not only primed for future success, but currently making its mark on the track, led by Caraconti's rising star, Spenderella. Make sure to check out the entire roster of Gainesway stallions and see for yourself the power, passion, and performance of Gainesway. Hello and welcome to a special edition of the In The Money Players podcast. This is Baby Talk brought to you by our friends at Gainesway and also brought to you by our friends at the KTDF. We'll hear from both of those elsewhere in the show. Peter Thomas Fornital back with you, coming to you from the porch at the Big House here in West Virginia, getting ready to hop on a bird and head back to Lexington. Excited along the way, going to be betting a a loaded looking Sunday card at Churchill Downs. The meet starting today and to chat about it with us we bring in a man from Churchill Downs. He is Gary Palmisano. Gary, how are things? Pretty good. Hi, Pete. Good morning. Everything going well over there? You've uh, you've been a busy man lately.
1: Yeah, no, things are awesome here. A um, lot, lot going on. You know, super fortunate to have received a promotion from Churchill a couple of weeks ago that elevated me into a, a bigger racing role within the company and, uh, and just been hitting the ground running and learning more about all of our properties and kind of what we have going on and, and seeing the racetrack from a different perspective from the, the corporate lens a bit. And, yeah, it's been really exciting. And obviously, this next uh, next few weeks are, are, are just unbelievable here in Kentucky. And uh, with our meet starting off today and jumping right in uh, for a couple of days of racing straight to the Breeders' Cup at Keeneland, it's, it's an exciting time here in Kentucky.
0: I think there'll be a lot of people looking to make the trip over in the afternoon. So I'm going to see if work will allow because it is a really interesting meet. We start off today with all two year old racing. There's strong two year old stuff later. So, Baby Talk will be making multiple visits to Churchill. But give us sort of the high level overview of this fall meet at Churchill. What are some of the other big days we should be looking forward to? Yeah, as you mentioned,
1: this is always a little bit of a weird calendar year. So, we run Sunday, Wednesday, thursday and sunday and we have our folks down the road in lexington that take our days on friday and saturday in order to host the breeders cup so anybody that's in town or or anybody that's looking forward to catching some live racing in advance of the weekend feel free to pop over to churchill on thursday or sunday or uh, whenever time permits we're gonna have some exciting uh live racing going on and then we'll ping pong back and forth a little bit with keeneland uh, November twelfth, we have the Claiming Crown in town, so we're expecting you know full fields and and highly competitive racing from the Claiming Crown standpoint. And then, obviously, our fall meet always culminates uh, with that Thanksgiving weekend uh, blockbuster race weekend. We have stakes on Thanksgiving Day. We have the Clark on Friday, and then we have Stars of Tomorrow two on Saturday of that weekend. That's another day of all two-year-old races highlighted by the. Road to the Derby and Road to the Oaks points races. So kind of, uh, you know, action-packed month of racing at Churchill and Keeneland fitting in there Friday, Saturday Breeders' Cup days.
0: Let's talk about Kentucky racing in general, because it really does feel like there's been a move to more of a top quality year-round circuit in Kentucky. We've talked about this with some of the trainers on some of our other KTDF shows, but I would love to get your perspective on it as somebody working for Churchill about, you know, what your vision is for the racing year in Kentucky going forward. Absolutely. You know,
1: we're, we're incredibly focused uh, to your point on developing a year-round circuit. Um, I think our, our first chess piece move was the purchase of Turfway Park and the subsequent rebuild of, of that facility, uh, which opens for their live racing meet, uh, November 30th. Uh, so they kick off there in Florence this year with $70,000 maiden special weights and, and a, a expanded stake schedule. Um, and, and that was step one. And then step two was the purchase of Ellis park, which we completed about a month ago. Uh, there was always a little bit of that void in the circuit, uh, in the July, August timeframe. You know, we, we go so hard at Churchill in June and, and end up on that Stephen Foster day, the, the 4th of July weekend. And then there was a little bit of a lull in the action. And what the horsemen told us is that it, their hands are tied a little bit. They, they feel like they'd love to stay in Kentucky. They'd love to be home with their families. They'd love to, to, uh, you know, spend all year here, but that July August time frame was difficult because Ellis only ran a couple days a week, and the purse money wasn't quite there. And and the investment that we made in that facility and in the subsequent um, historical horse racing machine extension in Owensboro will will allow us to really beef up that part of the circuit. And our ultimate goal is to have hundred thousand dollar maiden special weight races uh, every day in Kentucky. Um, and that's that's a not so uh, far fetched goal we we expect that could happen in the next few years and, and subsequently we're excited about the opportunity for some of our horsemen to make kentucky a year-round home uh, naturally they'll be shipping around and they'll be moving because some of our guys have have plenty enough horses but uh, we want this to be a,
0: a base of action for for all of the the kentucky horsemen for sure it makes sense and it makes sense that a lot of that ktdf money is one of the things making this possible obviously KTDF, one of the sponsors of the show, would love to hear from your perspective about how the KTDF works and you know some of the other things that's happening with this extra money coming into the game and strengthening racing in Kentucky all the more.
1: No, absolutely. The, the KTDF program was was you know born mo- many years ago with the idea of incentivizing Kentucky breads. Uh Whenever you look at you know a maiden special weight race today at Churchill Downs, it says the purse is one hundred twenty thousand dollars. Well, about Forty to fifty thousand dollars of that is includes KTDF money, so that means it's it's a bonus basically for the Kentucky breds. If you're a, a Louisiana bred in that race, you're you're not running for that additional dollar. Uh, and what we've seen is is the influx of KTDF money uh, has really um, created a ton of demand for Kentucky bred horses and folks focusing on racing in Kentucky with their Kentucky bred horses and. And those additional dollars, you know, have have made this all possible without a doubt and and really brought attention to the Kentucky race circuit um, and, and, and the sales. I think phasic had a record year. Keeneland had a record sales year. So it, it's certainly trickling down to other parts of the industry, this excitement for racing in Kentucky and, and purchasing Kentucky bred horses. And that's the general goal for sure.
0: Let's talk about some Kentucky breads. who are going to be racing on this Sunday program. Gary, we definitely are going to want to talk about the stakes races starting in race number six, but I'll throw it open to you if you had anything on the early part of the card you wanted to mention.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to be out there having a few uh, having a few investments myself today. <laughs> um it's a trick or treat at the track day, so the wife and I are going to pack the fifteen-month-old up, and and hopefully enough candy will occupy her time while <laughs> I uh, I hit the windows. But I, I do want to talk about what, the the third race being a, a pretty salty, maiden Philly two-year-old race, and and the Philly in there, the eight for Dallas Tiny Temper, had a very troubled trip at Keeneland and uh or sorry at Churchill in September. And this is a filly I know he's he's pretty high on and, and thought would run well and sort of got shuffled back and, and pinched off and just kind of never really had a, a great opportunity to run. So that that's one I'm definitely keen to uh, play around with a little bit
0: in some multi-race gimmicks in the early part of the card for sure. Makes sense. I mean, the Dallas Stewart runners, they typically improve for their racing. We know how they finish. This looks like a horse. She's just got to improve in here and, and, and hopefully can get the job done three to one on the morning line. We'll see what happens price wise. But we'll hope that there's no hunch play aspect to this with um, with, with bring the little one to the track and the name Tiny Temper. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that, that's great. <laughs> Maybe we should move along to, uh, to the first of the stakes races on the day. Sure. Race number six. We've got these two-year-old fillies in the rags to riches. A field of eight going postward in this one. And th- there's going to be some really important scratches in this race because there isn't a chance some of these runners could yet have an opportunity to run at the Breeders' Cup if I'm if I'm remembering that right. Who's uh, Hoosier Philly specifically, I think Tom Amos had said they would run if they if they could get in. If that doesn't happen though, and she does turn up here, looks very interesting to me. Appears to be working great, just looking at the work tab. Don't know if you've had the chance to, to clap eyes on her, but very professional on debut and a runner to keep keep an eye on. Do you have any inside info for us if, if Hoosier Philly's gonna be running here or not? I I am
1: 90% certain that she runs today to be perfectly honest. I've been chasing the baby around and haven't marked the <laughs> scratches down yet, but I, I'm, I'm believing that she's running today and and really eager to see her in action. You know, most of the, her and, and the Brissette Philly trying to go two turns uh, today will be sort of an interesting part of, of the dynamic of this race. And obviously the McPeak Philly has been two turns a couple of times, but no doubt about the talent uh, for Hoosier Philly Uh, visually just incredibly impressive first time out and in her debut for Tom.
0: That's a good point about who's your Philly and Peacock last, the two runner potentially hooking up and maybe setting it up for fun and feisty who didn't show her form in the Alcibiades. But if you key off that Pocahontas run, I I think would be a one that I I would probably make my top pick in this spot actually, just because I do think it's going to be a great situation for fun and feisty. Any others you had an eye on in, in this race?
1: No, I'm like you. I, I definitely anticipate. And even the Will Walden runner uh, seems to have quite a bit of pace. So I'm really interested to see if any of these horses stretching out for the first time can, can sort of switch off and, um, you know, find their way, uh, settling in a little bit. If not, I'm with you. I think uh, fun and feisty sort of sits the dream trip.
0: I had a horse I wanted to mention in race number seven that I thought was a very intriguing first-time starter. The number 10, Winnemack Avenue, I thought, um, had a few things that stood out to me. Four winning siblings, only one won on debut, but Tappert's been very strong on debut. Five for 28 with the two-year-old debuting runners. And this is a $75,000 two-year-old in training purchase off Tappert's ten thousand dollar stud fee. I thought that was a, a sign we might have some speed here, and maybe that bullet work to back signals readiness. There's a few other interesting runners in here, golden nugget, joking way. But I, I thought I might uh, spend a few bucks to see if I might be right about uh, Winnemack Avenue and you know, Johnny B taking the call there. Certainly, an eye catching jockey booking. Race number eight is not technically a stakes race, but it's a stakes caliber field for these two year olds going a mile and a 16th. And I think the conversation probably starts with Echo again, a horse that was at the top of many Kentucky Derby type lists after that uh, smashing maiden win on August 20th in, in Saratoga uh, ran about half a race in the Iroquois looked like one, maybe going to be suited for a cutback, but they persevere with this one. Uh, and, you know, given the hands that Echo again is in, Uh, winchell steve asperson i I assume they're coming here uh, because they think this runner can do a lot better going two turns we'll see what we get out of echo again in this two-year-old allowance race that goes this race number eight what are your thoughts gary are you a believer in echo again i sure was before his last start and and this is definitely an interesting
1: move from steven and company here you know they obviously must have confidence in this horse to be able to to make this, you know, two-turn mission again here and I think this is a race if you're a horse player, you're going to find value elsewhere without a doubt. Um, you know, even the the Brad Cox horse Tappet's Conquest was extremely impressive at Churchill on the stretch out to two turns. So, you know, very interested to see how the odds board shakes out here, but but obviously echo again, uh if he can replicate that Saratoga uh debut today going two turns is is, you know, clear cut uh you know, super nice horse potential but uh definitely question marks here and, and lots of different ways you can go if you're uh, not a believer that this horse is,
0: has two-turn material i'm not i'm undecided but i'm imagining the price is going to be short enough that i think as you point out there'll probably be value elsewhere my eye went to tappet's conquest the sixth runner who you mentioned but it also went to the nine frank's honor who i thought overall just had great uh, pedigree for the route i like the fact has passed horses before, and the last two runs, very solid form for Frank's Honor. I'd make Frank's Honor my selection in here, probably mess around with the six as well. And then depending on what kind of bets, I might use Echo again defensively, or I might just let him beat me and see if he's going to end up right back on the top of those uh, uh, two-year-old potential derby horse lists based on what we see there in in race number eight let's do the allowance race that goes as race number nine as well we've got seven furlongs on the dirt here for these two-year-old fillies and a field of nine this was the case for me i was having a lot of trouble looking past uh the the favorite based on how good pretty mischievous was in her first run but eager to get your thoughts gary i'm in the same boat as you i felt like if you were able to take a
1: stand against um Echo again that this was a nice option to single uh on any pick four or pick five ticket. This uh very, very, very impressive uh daughter of into mischief here at Churchill really won like a good thing that day and was well bet going off at two to one. So I'm I'm like you. I think the race goes through her and um, and if you can get a little creative and beat Echo again and lean on this philly you might have the opportunity to to kind of spread out in some other races
0: and uh and maybe have a little score. I like the sound of that very much. We're back to Grade three Stakes action in race number ten. It's the street sense, one of my uh, personal favorites from uh, back in the day, not that long ago, two thousand and seven maybe was the Derby year for street Sense. It was somewhere around there. Um, mile and a sixteenth on the dirt this time around, and a field of eleven going postward who do you think's gonna get the money in here? Fun race,
1: really fun race to handicap. i've leaned on something with a little bit of a price uh flipperino for the rusty arnold barn i mean I, I don't see honor codes and i don't see rusty arnold winning going five and a half furlongs first time out very often and and to me that signals this horse might have a good bit of talent and and obviously bred to stretch out to two turns and and rusty you know and probably had two turn hopes for this horse all along and Maybe even surprised the barn a little bit as it, as he surprised the betting public winning at 15-1 first out. But I couldn't really find anything to really sink my teeth into with the other runners. Some of them kind of in form and out of form as they've jumped up to stakes competition and and now coming back into to the uh, street sense today. So I, I just wanted to look for something with, with real value. And, and Flipperino checked a couple of boxes for me and, and was interesting.
0: I think you make some really nice points because we know the Rusty Arnold trainees, not known for winning first out, they get better with their racing consistently. And you could really say the same thing about Sire Honor Code, whose charges have typically needed a little bit of time and distance to show their best. So I'm going to follow you in and get some tickets with fours on them in the street sets. But my topic here is number one, top recruit. I thought you could excuse the champagne, not a good run, but that was not a favorable rail. It was the slop two-back run at Ellis I thought was very strong for for top recruit I was impressed the pace was fast stuck on pretty well and looking uh, I didn't see the workout but just looking at the work tab appears to be really headed back in the right direction for this one so with all those things in mind at a price I think will be decent I like the idea of messing around with with top recruit Um, the other note on this one that I had was that the 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 dam did win going a mile, though many of the sub siblings are better sprinting, so we'll see how that works out. Another I'll mess around with in exactus here is the three jaces road. I just thought, um all things considered, this is a horse whose form is just a little better than it looks on paper. I thought last time made a move into a hot pace, got tired late. remember that remember that Iroquois you know curly jack coming from coming from far. Um, back in that spot. Honed reopposes here, but I thought Hone had the better trip in terms of dynamics all in all. When you look at where the speed horse is finished in the Iroquois, I think Jace's road is okay. I'm going to mess around with the one, three, and the four. Did you have a quick thought for us on the nightcap for any folks playing these late picks? <laughs>
1: the nightcap's really tough. Um, you know, two-turn maidens, mile at a 16th here. All the big barns show up. You got Todd. You got Brendan Walsh. You got Dallas Stewart, Kenny McPeak, Bill Mott. Uh, A lot of different ways you can go in this race, uh, without a doubt. Um, Another one, again, like we talked about earlier, the Rusty Arnold, this horse is trying the dirt, which I thought was interesting by English Channel out of a Tappet mare, obviously showed run, uh, you know, first time out at Kentucky Downs. I was really intrigued as to why they passed on some of the opportunities at Keeneland to get this horse back on the turf. So not sure if this horse's dirt works were signaling, um, you know, a try or if this was just trying to get that horse more ground. Uh, But but again, a a very, very, very challenging closing race. I can tell you that they were very high on Dennington early on in his career. And he kind of just hasn't panned out just yet. Um, But but still another horse with with, you know, that Kenny McPeak's barn felt like had a really bright future. And then Parkway for Bill Mott coming out of what was a very key maiden race at Saratoga. So a lot of different directions to go in the last without a doubt.
0: One, seven and eight nice mentions for Gary for them. I'll mention the two Desert Wolf who will be among the favorites coming out of that that uh, that second to uh, to Frank's honor back on October first at Churchill. It just looks like a runner looking at pace figures. I think is going to be well positioned, you know, second flight, no worse than that. And has shown enough finish in the two runs that I just think it could be an absolutely perfect trip for Desert Wolf. So that's another number I want on my tickets to close things out at Churchill. I'll ask you an unfair question that I didn't prep you for, but hey, that's what happens sometimes on the show. Looking ahead to the Breeders' Cup, any runners already, you know you will be betting, constructing things around
1: um, I haven't had a chance to really dig in that much. I started watching some of the European replays over the weekend and the the Philly Nashua really caught my eye in the Philly mare Turf. Um but but to be to be honest, I, I'm a bad horse player on this one. Uh my <laughs> the guys, uh Shap and DeRosa and Joe, they they get on me because I uh I tend to be a, a quick capper as they like to call me. Um, <laughs> I, I take the route, think long, think wrong sometimes. So I, I kind of probably won't dive in uh fully until um sort of everything comes out and post positions and that type of thing. Of so I, I, I have to admit I, I haven't really uh haven't zoned in that much. Certainly horses I'm I'm interested to see. Uh really the the Jackies Warrior Jack Christopher matchup is really intriguing to me. Uh, I've been a person who thought uh, Jackie's Warrior, you know, was a super nice horse, but had never really been headed early in in many of his his races. And I've always wondered why Rosario keeps the horse in the five path uh, in most of his races. And you know, if a horse like that was to get the one hole and had to be dogged all the way around there, you know, definitely a, a possible horse to to look at playing against. So there are definitely things like that that are in the back of my mind, and and I'm incredibly excited to see flight line um the the gambler in me wants to take a shot against but the horse (laughs) fan in me wants to see him uh you know prove that he is one of the all-time uh you know champions and and really interested to see just how good he can be so
0: an exciting exciting two days of
1: racing i just haven't done my homework yet
0: no, no. And, and I, that was all I was looking for that high level overview. And I actually agree in many ways, uh, not so much the breeders cup. I think it is important to start getting a jump when you're like mentally able to do that. But in general, I couldn't agree more with that. Think long. You think wrong ideas. There's plenty of times I spend an hour on a race that I would have had the same opinion in 35 seconds. So th- th- that I have some sympathy for that point of view. A hundred percent, Gary, really appreciate your time today. We thank you. We thank our friends at the, at the KTDF and, of course, Gainesway sponsors of the show for uh, for bringing this content to horse players. And we'll see you over there in a few days' time. All right. Thanks, Pete. Looking forward to it. And, and anybody,
1: welcome to, to join us at Churchill Downs all week.
0: Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of people taking you up on that offer. Great to be able to get that extra racing experience in at Churchill Downs this time of year. We'll thank uh, Gary one more time. We'll thank all of you, the listeners, for making these shows so much fun to do. Uh, I'm Peter Thomas Fornatal. May the hammer drop your way.